Hello, and welcome to The Unexplained Truths. Stories of life, healing, and unexplained events. We're your hosts. I'm Julie. And I'm Genevieve. In this episode, we will be sharing with you a little bit about who we are and what we do. We will discuss the powers of Reiki healing, hypnosis, and manifesting. And we will be sharing some of our personal thoughts and experiences on the topics. So let's get started. Hey, Julie. Hi, Genevieve. It's so great to speak with you. <laughs> it's so great to speak with you too. I haven't spoken to you in so long. Okay. So let me start by asking you like the worst interview question ever, <laughs> which is tell me about yourself. No, I'm not going to do that to you, but what I want to do is so much. I want to tell everyone that Genevieve Myers is an amazing Reiki master and healer. And she's also a life coach. Why don't you just tell the world how you got into that career? Hello world. This isn't <laughs> intimidating at all. Um, <laughs> well, they say that Reiki comes to you. And a few years ago, I was working with a friend of mine who was a hands-on energy healer. And the only difference is that hands-on energy healers and Reiki healers, they just have, they have different techniques and what have you. So anyway, I was working with him. He was a hands-on energy healer and it was really interesting. And I thought, this is something that I could do. I was looking for something to do besides, not besides, but alongside acting. And, um, I didn't want to be doing the whole restaurant bartender game anymore. So I looked into it and the program that he did was in San Francisco and for like six months. And I, couldn't do it. I couldn't leave the city for six months, especially to San Francisco, because San Francisco is expensive too. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, so I was looking into other alternatives and Reiki just kept coming up and coming up and coming up on my computer. So then I found, um, the International Reiki Center here in New York City and they, they train doctors and, massage therapists and psychotherapists. And I thought if I'm going to do this and I want to study with legit people. So, um, I did my one and two with them and then practiced that for about a year. And then I went back and I did my ART and my master and practiced with that for a year. And then I, went to a Reiki conference in Maryland, didn't even know they had Reiki conferences. Super fun <laughs> surprise. I was super psyched. It's like totally geeking out. And I went to Maryland and the main speaker of the event was Raven Keys. And she is an amazing person and a Reiki master here in New York City. And she actually, she was an actress as well. She created a medical Reiki certification because she started working with doctors, giving Reiki to her clients in the OR, you know, during surgery. And um, actually one of her first clients in the OR was uh, the doctor doing the surgery was Dr. Oz. Oh, wow. 
Yeah, when he still, you know, did that. So anyway, so she started doing that. And then she started working with Dr. Feldman, who was the head of breast cancer surgery at Columbia. And they created a program, I guess you could call it a program, called Medical Reiki. And he just moved to Montefiore in the Bronx. Um, and he's the, bre- the head of breast oncology there. They are creating this to make Reiki accessible to all of his clients. Um, cause he's noticed a huge difference between people who, who receive Reiki during the surgery versus people who don't. And, um, and also it's for the families and for before, you know, for during treatment and, and whatnot. So anyway, I say all that to say that she created a training program cause she can't do all the surgeries. And she invited me to come and do this training program. And I ended up doing it and becoming a medical Reiki master through Raven Keys as well. Totally not where I thought my life was going to go, but very (laughs) grateful that it did. And it's been a ride and and is still a ride. And and I, and I became a life coach as well. Um, cause I think life coaching partners very well with Reiki healing also. So, um, being able to use that language and to help people moving forward and not just give them energy healing and then be like, great, good luck. Bye. And then (laughs) can you explain for people, because I don't know that much about Reiki and I think a lot of people don't know that much about Reiki. Um, and they think it's just this like woo woo thing that people do. Can you explain exactly what it is and how it works? So it's, it's an energy healing technique, but it's also been named as a, as, um, a certain breath work through meditation as well. But it's basically, so Ray and key, Ray means universal life force. Key means earth life force. And it's both of them coming together to create healing because for us as human beings, when we are at our healthiest and most productive and, and clearest, um, emotionally, spiritually, physically, we, it's our energy flow is flowing freely and it's flowing in both directions. We want to be connected both ways. And sometimes things happen to us, tra- physical traumas, emotional traumas. It creates strain in the, um, strain and resistance in your energy field, which can cause more illness, more discomfort, more pain, more emotional, what have yous, emotional, just emotions. So Reiki healers come in to help mend that and to help create an energy flow so that your body can heal naturally because all of our bodies have the ability to heal itself. Right. But with environment, society, medicine, get, we get weak with that a little bit. So Reiki healers, we come in and we, we help to, to create that flow. And also it's, I mean, it's a huge relief for stress and anxiety, which is one of the biggest causes of any illness or trauma or ailment. So yeah, I've experienced Reiki with you and I had a really amazing experience, but 
for me as a client or patient or whatever, I'm laying there and I, I can feel certain things happening in my body and I see you moving your hands and putting them in different areas. But what exactly are you doing to balance the energy? I'm using my energy to help heal yours. But Reiki healers, I mean, where you have to be attuned to the different Reiki levels and the attunements are, they're very, they're healing themselves. So really the healer, we're not perfect, obviously, but we do have to be healed in some way so that that energy can flow so that we can, we can flow and be able to flow that energy to you. So if you were sick, you wouldn't work on someone else. Um, no, I could, but I don't want them to get sick. And when you're in the OR, like outside of the, like in the waiting area, how are you healing someone? Are you imagining energy flowing or how does that work? Yeah. I mean, you, you're imagining energy flowing. You can, you can heal from a distance. Energy can travel through anything, but yeah, I kind of, I'm a very, I think, I think every healer has their own way of being able to do it or way of channeling it. Everybody has a different thing, but I'm very visual person. Mm. So I am sending those inner, that those images to those people or using images such as imagining that, I mean, that person is right in front of me you know, right. That their spirit is right in front of me. Well, Julie is a amazing life coach. She's definitely life coached me a lot of times. Um, <laughs> probably more than I all the have. time, <laughs> all the time. And, um, she's also amazing at hypnosis, which I have also done many times. And so Julie, tell me, I don't, how did you first get into life coaching? Let's start there. Well, like you, I used to be an actress and well, Genevieve actually still is an actress, but, um, I was acting and personal training, you know, with the personal training, I found that people really like to vent about their problems and I was more interested in helping them with their real life problems rather than just, getting fit. And so I got to a point where I was doing both acting and personal training. And I felt like I really needed to make a commitment to one or the other. And I couldn't. And so I thought that I was just a commitment phobe. So I spent an entire summer trying to figure out what I wanted to do when I grew up, (laughs) um, essentially. And I was doing a ton of journaling, really searching for the answers. And out of that came, (laughs) I want to be a life coach, like literally out of nowhere. And then of course I thought, well, who am I to be coaching people? Like I don't even, can't even like manage my own life. But meanwhile, throughout that summer and before I had I was reading self-development books religiously, like one after another, after another, after another. And I actually had a friend of mine say, Julie, like, 
why are you, you know, obsessively reading these books? Um, you can't possibly be retaining this knowledge. And I said, I don't know. I just can't stop reading. So it was the end of that summer that I decided, you know what, this is, I want to do this. And I went online that night and I found the certification that I wanted and I signed up. So that was sort of my path to coaching. Um, and then as I got deeper into coaching, I realized that the really, really, really good coaches are not just coaches. They're using mm. techniques like hypnosis and NLP and these other, you know, tools and techniques to really make the dramatic changes. Like you see the Tony Robbins making the changes in an hour or less, you know, and it's not a God given gift. Those are actual techniques that can be taught to anyone. So once I got into coaching, I just wanted to take it to the next level. And that's how I got into, you know, the hypnosis world. Do you find that you, do you find that people are open to the hypnosis? I mean, I have my coaching practice is, it's kind of my front to mm -hmm. get people in. Cause they, people know what a life coach is more or less but they don't really know what hypnosis is. So, you know, they think of stage hypnosis and that's not what I do. And so, um, you know, once I can have a real conversation with them about what the kind of work that we would do together and I explain hypnosis, if they've never done it before, they're nervous, but they're open to it because when you're in that place where you're just like, I'll do anything <laughs> to, to get to make my life better. But once they experience it, they realize how amazing it is and, um, and they want to continue. But yeah, I do think there's some resistance for most people in the beginning. What are the type of things that you, that are most helpful to people through hypnosis? One of the things that I think is the most common that I see in almost every single person, no matter what they come to me for self-confidence, everybody's okay. lacking self-confidence, self-worth, you know, of course th there's a million other things too. You know, I've helped people remove anxiety, sleep issues, drinking, you know, for weight loss, all kinds of things. There really is no limit of what you can accomplish through this technique. So, and how, yeah. how exactly does a hypnosis session go? It depends. It depends on what the clients wants and needs. It's a lot like guided meditation, but usually, um, I'll do what's called like a general negativity clearing, which kind of just removes the negative energy. If the issue is more severe, I'll do a more specific clearing, which would oftentimes be a regression. So I would take people back to the original event that caused the trauma, which usually happens between the ages of zero and seven. Once that can be cleared up, all of the traumas that have been layered on top of that can clear up as well. That's so and then funny. You can, once, 
What's that? Sorry. That's so funny. Cause every time you've done a hypnosis session with me, I've all, when I, when I've done the regression, mm-hmm. I'm always, I'm, I'm between the ages of five and seven. Mm. Like, well, I'd say, well, maybe four and seven. I've yeah. been, you know, and I didn't even know that. I actually didn't know that fact. So, um, that's funny. That's interesting. You can, why is you that? Can go- why is it? Why is it between zero and seven? Sorry. Because when you're born, you are a blank hard drive. And Mm -hmm. through your experiences and your filters um, and how you view the world, we create our identities. And so something that may have served you as a child, um, let's say a, a specific pattern of behavior that you know, protected you, you would continue to develop as an adult, even though it doesn't serve you anymore. But basically we, we develop our personalities between the the ages of zero and seven. And all we know is our environment. Our parents are our God. And so that's how we learn about the world. And if you grow up in a household that is where there's a lot of trauma or there's a lot of, let's say, abuse or yelling or any type of chaos, you are going to continue to find relationships where there's a lot of chaos, whether it's friendships or romantic relationships, because it's even though it's not comfortable, it's safe because that's what you knew as a child. Right. So people continue to involve themselves in bad behavior because they had it when they were young. For me, personally, for someone who has experienced hypnosis and has experienced it from you, I honestly, and I'm not just blowing smoke up your bum, I I really don't think I would be where I am right now if I didn't have the hypnosis sessions from you that I've had Wow! so far, so far. Cause I'm pretty sure I'm going to have more, um, <laughs> <laughs> but maintenance um, is always good, <laughs> but I don't because that, that self-confidence and that self-worth thing is that's real, you know, it's big. Um, yeah. It's big and it really holds you back from a lot of things. Yeah. I think I was holding myself back a lot. And I don't think I would be doing some of the things that I'm doing now. Um, I don't think my relationships would be where they are right now. Definitely career wise, huge. I don't think I would be where I am right now without those hypnosis sessions. And I mean, who knows? I mean, I think, I think I would eventually have gotten here. With hypnosis, it kind of speeds up the process a little bit. It speeds up the process a lot. And, and, but I also think that doing the work outside of it is important. I don't think personally for me, I don't think going and having a hypnosis session just being like, well, I had a hypnosis session. I'm good. And then walking, it's like me with, with my, with my, uh, with my clients, with my Reiki clients. I always tell them, I always give them energy exercises to do at home because it just, it doesn't end there, you know? Right. And that's why 
coaching, I feel partners so well with these other methods, you know, because you want to do the conscious work and the subconscious work or the conscious work in your case, the energy work, Mm -hmm. which is all kind of the same, but different. Okay. Let's talk about manifesting. (laughs) Manifesting. Okay. What do you, what, what are your thoughts on manifesting? Well, I feel like this is more, I feel like you're more of a master at it than I am. I'm still learning. I'm still in training of manifesting. I think manifesting works. I think, oh, 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 I have a story. Wait, but I don't know if this is really manifesting. Well, maybe, I don't know. What were you going to (laughs) say? Well, I just wanted to sort of differentiate between the law of attraction, which is a a real law, like the energy that you put out is what you're going to get back. So that needs to be clarified. And, you know, manifesting is, I feel like it's a form of the law of attraction and there's tons of different ways to manifest. It all goes back to, you know, being a part of the law of attraction, if that makes sense. No, explain. (laughs) Sorry. So the law of attraction is a law like physics or the, the law of correspondence. There are certain, or the law of gravity. There are certain laws that just are, you know, and you cannot argue with them. And, and so the law of attraction is a, you know, is like the law of gravity. You can't argue with it. Well, some people might argue with it, but that's not my problem. (laughs) Um, But manifesting, I feel like, is setting an intention to attract what you want. And there are different ways of doing that. There are different techniques. Does that make sense? (laughs) Yeah. No, that makes sense. I mean, so, okay. Do you have a manifestation story? I have so have, many. <laughs> yeah, you have a ton of manifestation stories. There's two stories that, that are my favorite that I kind of want to tell. I manifested my dog. And... Little man. I know that's... I know. I know that sounds weird, but I really wanted a dog. And I wasn't sure if I wanted a Yorkie or a Maltese. And then I had a personal training client who had a Maltese and I fell in love with that dog. And I was like, that's it. I want a Maltese. And I had a joke with my boyfriend about, it was a, it was a stupid joke, but we were talking about, wouldn't it be funny if we had a dog named Poppy? I wasn't looking to name my dog Poppy by any means. That was just a joke. But, um, I was going online every single night, you know, trying to find a Maltese emailing different people. And then I came across this one dog. This girl was giving him away on Craigslist. And I know, and I emailed her and I said, is your dog still available? And she said, yeah, Pepito is still available. Stop. And I haven't told you the story. No, I have not heard the story of Pepito. I cannot believe I haven't told you this. Um, Me neither. Because like literally one of the first things I loved about you was that you had a dog. 
Oh. (laughs) (laughs) This was like before I even talked to you on the phone. Like you were like, you were like, my dog is sick and we reschedule. And I was like, absolutely. You're a real human being. (laughs) I really love this about you. No problem. (laughs) Yeah. So I went and met with her and I met the dog and she was basically, she was working and going back to school and she just did not have the time to take care of him. So she was interviewing people and she said, I don't want to sell him. I want to find the right person for him or the right home for him. And she picked me (laughs) and it was probably a year before we even realized that he answered to Poppy. So his previous owners were Spanish speaking and they used to call him Poppy. And like one day out of the blue, my boyfriend said, Poppy. And he turned around and looked, looked at him like, what? And I was like, oh my God, (laughs) I manifested him. So, and it's one of my probably best manifestations ever. So is Um, that an example of you setting an intention and throwing it out there and it coming back to you? uh, I think so. And I didn't, the thing about, you know, the, the, well, manifesting is if you have any resistance towards something, it's, it's not going to come. And I didn't have any resistance about this. I think I looked at my Facebook page and I had posted a photo maybe a couple months before I got the dog saying, my birthday's coming up. If anybody wants to give me a gift, this is what I want. It was a photo of a Maltese. Yeah. I don't think I set the intention to manifest him. I set the intention to find a Maltese, but I didn't expect to find him in that way. I didn't expect him to be free and I didn't expect him to have the name that I joked about. (laughs) So all of that was just like a very interesting coincidence. But I can tell you a story of a time when I did intentionally manifest something. Have I told you the airplane seat story? Yes. But tell it for everybody else. Okay. So I was taking a trip somewhere and um, I was trying to not spend more money than I needed. So I bought a plane ticket and I am very claustrophobic and I have to sit in an aisle seat whenever I fly. But I was offered the option of upgrading to an aisle for X amount of money. And I thought, you know what? No, I'm going to manifest an aisle. And that's just a move. <laughs> because I thought, you know, what's the, the worst that could happen is, you know, I would just end up uncomfortable for a few hours. It wasn't a horribly long trip, but it was long enough. I got to the airport that morning and the guy printed out the ticket for me. And I thought, oh my God, I forgot to tell him that I wanted an aisle seat. And I looked down at my ticket and it was an aisle. And I was like, perfect, great. And I expected it to be that easy on my way back. And so on my way back, I got to the airport 
and I went to the, I went in to check in and expected it to be an aisle seat. And I said, is there any way you can give me an aisle seat? I'm really claustrophobic. She said, I'm sorry. All I have available is a window. And I was like, really? Like, come on. And she's like, you know what? You can go talk to the person at the gate when you get there and see if you can exchange it. So I get to the gate and there, I went to the, the person standing there and I said, can you help me? And he said, no, I'm only watching this for somebody else. Come back in 20 minutes. After 20 minutes, I looked up and I realized that there was already a huge line formed to go back Ugh. to New York City, obviously. Right. Right. So I was like, all right, well, I guess I'm stuck with a window. But in my mind, I'm like, I'm still getting an aisle. <laughs> So I got into the plane and there was somebody sitting in my seat. And I said, excuse me, um, I think you're sitting in my seat. And she said, no, she, she was very upset. And she said, no, this is my seat. I asked for a window seat. This is my seat. I'm sitting here. The number is on my ticket because she was so upset. I decided, well, I'll go talk to the flight attendant. And they said, well, both of you come back to the back of the plane till we get this sorted out. In my mind, I'm like jumping up and down thinking, I'm getting an aisle, I'm getting an aisle. We're getting so close and she's so angry. She's screaming and yelling and she was angry that I was making jokes with the flight attendants. So the pilot is telling everybody to get seated because we're about to take off. And I thought I was gonna get kicked off the plane. So meanwhile, this other woman just storms down the aisle and goes and sits in the seat. She decides she's going to sit there and that's that. And so the flight attendant that was supposed to help us finally comes to the back of the plane and says, Miss Holmes, he is looking at the woman sitting in the window seat. I was like, no, 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 that's me. And I'm still standing in the back of the plane. And he says, oh, and he looks at the other woman and he says, I'm so sorry. This is her seat. You're going to have to move. And the woman started arguing and he's like, I'm really sorry. And I ran up to him. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm like, it's okay. I don't want to cause any drama. I'll take the other seat. <laughs> wow. What a dream. And he escorts me down the aisle to an aisle seat where another woman happened to be sitting in. And he said, excuse me, ma'am, you're going to have to move. He made her move and he put me in that seat and said, Thank you so much. Thank you for being so accommodating. And if there's anything I can do for you during this flight, you just let me know. And I was like, well, I really like wine. <laughs> he was like, okay, done. Not only did I get my aisle seat, but he was so happy about it and willing to do anything for me. So that's one of my other favorite manifesting stories. I tell you, traveling is one of the best times to get your manifestation on. Cause do you have a story? Think, yeah. Well, I think this was manifesting. So my boyfriend and I, we went to Toronto last week and it was great, by the way. Thanks for asking, Julie. Oh. And <laughs> Sorry, I was just waiting for the story. No, it's okay. It's okay. Um, no, I'm joking. I, yeah, so we went to Toronto last week and 
we get there and we got to Toronto pretty early. We got there at like 1230 in the afternoon and we're going to the hotel. I mean, most check-ins aren't until about three or four o'clock, right? Right. So we get there and my boyfriend's like, well, we can just drop the bags off and then we can walk around and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, our hotel room is going to be ready and we are going to be able to go into our hotel room when we get there. And he was like, well, even if we don't, it's okay. And blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, 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 no. When we get there, our hotel room is going to be ready. And we are going in the hotel room and we are dropping our stuff in the hotel room. He was like, okay, whatever. So <laughs> this is a really short story. So we get there <laughs> and our, and our hotel room is ready. <laughs> And we get to go in the hotel room and drop our stuff off in the hotel room. Good story, Genevieve. Thanks. I thought it was great. But I mean, that, that's, that's manifestation, right? Just so happens our room was ready. That happens a lot. (laughs) What time was it? It was like one o'clock in the afternoon when we got there. Mm, yeah. And checkout, checkout for that hotel is noon and late checkout That's, is one. Good and job. I mean, hotel, you know, housekeeping has to get all up in there and they have to clean it and everything. You know, they were still cleaning the other rooms when we got up there, but, they, but our room was, but clean. they gave you the room that they cleaned first. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I manifested it. One. Right. No. Oh, I don't know. I'm not a very good manifesting person. I'm learning. I'm trying. But yeah. I thought that that was it. I thought that was one. <laughs> Julie's like, no, Genevieve, you're lame. <laughs> um, I think I may have created a, a new manifesting technique. I was kind of excited to tell you about this. Okay, great. Is it easier? <laughs> no. I mean, it is for me. It is for me, but, but you would need my skills. Um, Oh, wow. No. So, okay. So I was explaining this to you the other day about how for people who follow Abraham Hicks, they would know that if you have resistance, um, it's harder to manifest. Resistance would be like, as she would explain it, every subject is two subjects and it's like two ends of a stick. One end is the having of, and the other end is the not having. And if you have a desire for something and you want it and you expect it, but you keep focusing on that it hasn't manifested yet, you're focused on the lack of it. And therefore that's going to keep you from manifesting. So I was doing some research the other day in sort of the hypnosis world. It works the same way. So If you were to say, say out loud, I'm a billionaire. Okay. Say it. Oh, I'm a billionaire. There's a place in your body where it feels icky, right? Yeah. (laughs) Because, because your subconscious mind says, no, you aren't, you freaking liar. (laughs) (laughs) My subconscious is like, Genevieve, take a nap. (laughs) (laughs) That icky feeling in your subconscious or in your body is what's going to keep you from actually manifesting something. So through these NLP techniques that I know, I can actually get rid of that icky feeling. 
in my body and in my subconscious. So I, I've started sort of making this a daily habit. I'll let you know how it goes. I just started where I will say a series of mantras of things that I, things that I want abundance or wealth or certain aspects of my career that I want to happen. And when I feel that icky feeling, I use these techniques until I can actually make the statement and feel good. I feel nothing but good. We'll see how it works. You actually weren't joking. You actually need those skills in order to do this. Yeah. I mean, the techniques are really easy once you learn them and can be taught very easily. And they only take a couple of minutes. So it's not like a big time commitment. The techniques are simple, but you do need to know them or have some sense of how how to to do it or to eliminate that subconscious ickiness. But that releases the resistance and then all you have is momentum. Right. Which makes the manifestation happen more quickly. You should offer that as a service. Well, I'm going to test it out on myself first. (laughs) Manifestation. And when I can tell the world that I was able to do A, B, and C in this amount of time, then I might offer it as a service. All right. Well, we're going to be checking in with you here on the unexplained truths, um, <laughs> on your technique. That's interesting though. I, I really, I want to know if that works. Well, when we're off air sometime, I'll teach you the techniques and you can try it for yourself. <laughs> I get an inside scoop. Cool. The perks of being friends with Julie. All right. Did you ever try the, the Bill Bankston technique? No. It's hard. I I want to. Yeah, it's, it is hard. Though I really do, I want to get better at manifesting. I really want to. I think I don't focus enough on manifesting or just setting an intention. You know, you can start with little things like manifesting. You want to see a daisy because when you start small, you don't have resistance. And when you can continually prove to yourself that I mean, I had it the other day. I feel like I kind of want to share this story. A stranger on the street just give me a hundred dollars. Oh my and God. Yeah, that was crazy. Before that, I was walking my dog and focusing on all of the things that I appreciate in my life. Took my dog home, come back out to run an errand. And the guy stops me on the street and says, Hey, I just won the lottery and I want to give you a hundred dollars. And because I'm being mindful of the fact that I want to be in a state of allowing right now, normally I would have said, no, 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 I'm not taking money. But he just gave me a hundred dollars and walked away. Well, actually, no, he went to church. <laughs> but, um, what a good I feel man. Like just See, setting an intention for something that is small that you don't have resistance towards is much, much easier in the beginning until you get the hang of it. And when you, when you get the hang of it, you can start manifesting those bigger things and learning how to, you know, remove the resistance. That completes this episode of the unexplained truths. If you enjoyed it, be sure to like rate and review this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And we will talk to you in the next episode. Want more? Head over to our YouTube channel, The Unexplained Truths.
Do you or someone you know have an interesting story to tell? If you would like to be on our show, please email us at theunexplainedtruths at gmail.com. 